whiteboard. I'm a youth and college pastor here, and uh, it's exciting I get to share with you today. I said this last time, but today I'm not at big church. You're all at our youth church, so welcome. <laughs> we are in the middle of True Series. We are on week four. Um, we have looked at the true word, the true bread, and the true vision. Today we're looking at the true shepherd. I really liked Pastor Jeff's illustration, and he loaned it to me. One's authentic, one's counterfeit. From there, it's probably really hard to tell a difference. Maybe you could tell by the sheen or the glossiness. But when you're up close, it's easy to identify which is the fake and which is the real, especially if you turn it over. And so we are spending these nine weeks getting up close to the book of John and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to tell us what is true, what is authentic, and what is counterfeit. So I have some examples. <laughs> Maybe at first glance, you think you recognize these brands, and if you look closer, you'll realize, no, these brands are uh, a little bit different, something a little wrong with them. Uh, I, I'll just point out really quick, the bottom left, OFC, pretty sure that's Obama fried chicken. Um, I'm not really sure, but I don't know. To me, that looks like Obama. And, uh, you know, misspellings of things, Binbo's, Microsoft. Dave's Soap. I think Dave's Soap's my favorite one. Dave, Beauty Cream Bar. So to do some recap, we're in the nine weeks of the Gospel of John. John has a unique perspective. He brings a beautiful perspective to the Gospels. There's the synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then there's something unique about John. He's so personal and relational with Jesus. He, I, I love, I love, he says, he refers to himself in his own writings as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's awesome. John records a lot of the I am statements of Jesus, and uh, that's really what we're focusing on today. Today we're looking when he says, I am the good shepherd. So for some context, last week, John, uh, Pastor Jeff shared the true vision, and we went through the story of the blind man receiving his sight. Jesus puts mud on his eyes. He goes through the city, and he receives healing, and then there's a whole controversy in the city with the family and the Pharisees and everyone. And I realized that if you read 9 and 10 without breaks or, or verses or chapter markings, if you just read it, there's no separation of time between chapter 9 and chapter 10. And so in chapter 10, he's actually still speaking to the Pharisees. In fact, I'm, I'm convinced that the blind man is still there listening to all of chapter 10. So I wish we had time to go through every single verse of John 10, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up at verse 7 and greet through 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. 
I am the door. If anyone enters me, by me, he will be saved and, I, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Lord, I just want to take a moment. Lord, we are here to honor you. We're here to receive from you. Give us ears to hear. Lord, let us get a greater revelation of you as our shepherd. Let our hearts be ready and soft to receive from you this morning. It's all for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So something I like to do often is I like to kind of step back from scripture every once in a while and try to look at it with new lens, with new perspective, because if you're like me, I've, I've grown up in the church, which is a wonderful thing, but sometimes you can just read right over scripture and totally miss the point. And so I like to step back and really examine it. And when I step back, my first question was, why a shepherd? We take it for granted. I mean, it's so commonplace to hear the term shepherd. It's, it's been overdone and overused. It's cliche in the church. Shepherd, like, yes, we get it. We, we hear sermons about it. We sing about it. We, we read about it. And this was a strange thing to hear Jesus say if you were standing there and listening to him. So why a shepherd? So again, for some context, the shepherd was not who they were expecting the Messiah to come as. The Jews were anticipating a king. They were ready for the Messiah to come and to be their king and to lead them just as Moses had led them, to overthrow Rome, to come and to bring justice with a vengeance. They needed someone that was strong and powerful and authoritative, a good leader. And so I had a picture of probably what they're expecting, Jesus as a king. And they're, they're so excited for the Messiah. And they're like, maybe this is him. And then he says, I am the shepherd. Now, the shepherd in their culture was not a very common to refer to God. Yes, David sings about it in a few of his psalms, but those are just poetic and kind of weird, and there's some weird prophecies that you can't really understand, but shepherds are just the dirty workers out with the sheep. But God was, Jesus was specific in using this shepherd for his parable. I mean, why didn't he compare himself to a king to highlight his authority, his power, and his leadership? Or why not a teacher? Why not a father, or a lion tamer. Like, why a shepherd? And so I want us to look at that. The first I think Jesus wanted us to get is that shepherd is a picture of humility. We can often get so offended when we're compared to a sheep. We're like, whoa, I don't want to be a sheep. They're dumb. They're smelly. I don't want anything to do with sheep. But Jesus 
compared himself to a shepherd, which isn't much better. Sheep are dirty, but so is the shepherd. The shepherd smells like the sheep. The sheep and the shepherd do everything together. They live together. They sleep together. They eat together. They, they do everything together. And especially, like I said, in culture of this time, shepherds were not esteemed. In Jewish culture, cleanliness was super important. It was sacred. And shepherds, not only were they dirty and smelly physically, but the nature of a shepherd to, to care for the flock, some of the, the jobs required them to get really dirty, like getting blood on them, helping deliver the lambs. Like, and, and blood in that culture made you unclean automatically. And so unlike the priests and the leaders of the time, shepherds were dirty. Unlike the kings, shepherds were not highly regarded. They were not esteemed. Unlike the Pharisees and the teachers, shepherds were not educated, and they didn't, people didn't want to hear from shepherds. Shepherds were on the fringe of society. In fact, shepherds were even a tier lower than farmers and people that worked in the fields. We, we can see this, that, it, that culturally shepherds weren't valued in David. King David's father, he didn't even consider him worthy enough to call in from the fields when the prophet came looking for a king. He didn't even consider David, oh, not David, he's just out with the sheep. And he didn't even call him in. In fact, just giving, uh, we, we could see this by him just giving the youngest son responsibility of the sheep. Oh, just, he's the youngest, let's just let him take care of the sheep. It wasn't a valued position. It wasn't revered. It was on the fringe. In fact, by the time Jesus is saying this, there was a weird stigma against shepherds that it actually, they thought shepherds were there to just be thieves, and there, there, there was a great mistrust of shepherds in that time. And yet, Jesus compares himself to a shepherd. The humility of a shepherd is important in helping us understand the nature of Jesus. The next is a shepherd is a picture of intimacy. Now, many of you probably don't immediately think intimacy when you hear of a shepherd with their sheep, right? When we talk about the intimacy of God, we're not automatically, we usually talk about how he's a good father, right? And we, we, we don't talk about how he's our shepherd. But the role of shepherd over sheep is one of great intimacy. Again, shepherds lived, ate, sleep, and traveled together. They were always together. The shepherd knew his sheep's name. He knew them by name. And the sheep knew his voice. You've probably heard this before, but sheep can accurately discern and, and recognize the voice of their shepherd among other voices. They know his shepherd, and the shepherd knows them. This is a picture of deep relationship. In fact, Matthew 18, 12, it, it talks about how he will leave the 99 to go after the one because even the one is valuable enough. The shepherds care and love and nurture their sheep. As uh, the, the closest I could think of it nowadays is between probably you and your dog or maybe you and your cat. The shepherd was there to, it was his lifestyle, his life living was to tend and take care of these sheep. It, his whole life was revolved around it. There is a realness between a shepherd and a sheep. It's not like a king that's removed in the palace 
far away from his subjects. It's close and intimate. He's right there with his sheep. In fact, there's something even intimate about the, the nature of sheep. I was kind of comparing sheep with other animals. And, and if you use horses, for example, wild horses have to go through this intense period of being broken. It's, it's this long process of taking the wildness out of them and making them submit. And even tame, docile horses still need a bit and a bridle and a saddle. It's this war, this struggle to get cooperation. But sheep were created and instinctively have this need to flock and to follow. It's instinctual. It's inside of them. Sheep will follow anything. They need to follow something. If there's no one, a sheep will follow another sheep. If even there's a dog, they'll follow a dog. But sheep love to follow, and they follow their shepherd. Instinctually, it's inside of them. They need to follow. Isaiah 40, 11. I think this is where we get pictures like the one up there. Isaiah 40, 11 says, He will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lamb in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The last point in this is verse 14 and 15. It actually says that the heavenly father knows says he knows his sheep and the sheep know him just as the heavenly father knows me and I know the father which means that our heavenly father knows Jesus in the same way that Jesus knows us the same relationship that the heavenly father has with his son Jesus Jesus uses to describe his relationship with his sheep we are his sheep he knows us there's a relationship and an intimacy there this intimacy of a shepherd is important to understanding the nature of Jesus. The last picture is a shepherd is a picture of dependency. Sheep need a shepherd. Without a shepherd, sheep are lost and in danger. Sheep need a shepherd even more than people need a king or a leader. More than any other animal, sheep have a need to be tended to and to be led. Without a shepherd, sheep will die. In fact, in researching this, I found a story from 2006 in, uh, in Turkey where 400 sheep in one moment all went off a cliff to their deaths because they, they had no one leading them. They were just following one after another, and they all plummeted to their death. Sheep need a shepherd. They need them to, the shepherd to lead them to food, to lead them to water and shelter, to protect them from predators, to shear their wool when it's too long and too hot to help them give birth to lambs, to not wander off cliffs. Basically, sheep need shepherds to do everything. The direction of a shepherd is the only thing that will properly guide a sheep. The, sheepherd leads, the shepherd leads, protects, feeds, and provides. It's a covering for the sheep. It's a picture of provision and protection. And this dependency on a shepherd is important to understanding his nature. So what's the point? Why did Jesus use this as his response, right? Let's, in context, there's Pharisees, a crowd, there's family members, and a blind man. And his response 
And he's, hey, let me tell you about me being a shepherd. Why? What's the point? So, yes, he's revealing who he is through the I am of this parable. But what else is he revealing? Well, first, I wanted to ask, what is he doing? And we get that answer in verse 3. Ooh, let me open my Bible so I'm on the same page. Verse 3 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So what is he doing? He's calling his sheep to him. He's gathering his sheep to them. He's calling them by voice, by his voice, so they recognize him. He's gathering. Next, why is he doing it? Well, we get the answer for that in verse 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them life and life abundantly. Jesus came to give life and ab life abundantly. This is the purpose of the shepherd. It's to lead them into abundance of life. So what is life? Uh, there's life and then there's life abundancy. So what is abundant life? Well, first I want to start by saying an abundance of life is not an abundance of stuff. That's not the shepherd's point to have more stuff for the sheep. The point of abundance life is to lead them into the life that he wants for them. It's his heart for us. The word abundant in Greek is parison, meaning exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure. Immediately my mind is remembering Ephesians 3.20 when Paul says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to his power that works in it within us. Lots of things can offer life. But only the good shepherd can give abundant life. The world can offer life. In fact, the world can offer a hell of a life. They have life. We haven't cornered the market of life. Jesus, God in Genesis 1 created life and released it to be. We have access to life, but he is abundant life. I remember when I was really young, I asked my mom, Mom, why can, can people that aren't saved be rich and wealthy and successful? How can they have seemingly good lives? Like, if we need jo Jesus so much, why are, do they seem to be just fine? And I realized that they have access to life but they don't have access to abundant life without Jesus, right? We, we hear in Genesis again that Adam and Eve were told that they would die if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and yet they eat it, and they didn't die, but they lost their abundant life. They were removed from the source of abundant life. The purpose of the shepherd is to bring us abundant life. The world can offer life. In fact, the world can seem so alluring and tempting and attractive. You're like, oh, I want that life, right? Christianity can seem so limiting. 
It is life. It's not life abundant. It will let us down. It will disappoint us. And ultimately, it will destroy us. He says that the thief is here to kill, steal, and destroy. But he has come to give life abundantly. It's like if he was a good shepherd, it would have been more than enough for him to keep us from destruction. Right? If he was just merely to protect us from evil, that would have been enough. We're like, we're not destroyed. We're fine. We'll figure out the rest from here. But not only does he want to keep us from destruction, keep us from the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he wants to lead us into life abundantly. He has more for us than just not being destroyed. He has life abundantly. He wants to lead us into green pastures and still waters. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I would walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is a picture of understanding our shepherd. Even the word pasture is a word of abundance. It's more than enough. But he's not leading us to more stuff. He's leading us to an abundance of himself. Right? I was reminded of when Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well. And he says, if you drink of my cup, you'll never thirst again. And I always thought that it was like the fountain of youth. You drink it once and you, you've had enough. You've had his, his cup and that's good. It's good. It's like salvation, just one and done. But then I realized as the Lord was leading me that it's, that's, he doesn't want us to just partake and to be done with. I realized that it's not an infinitely hydrating source. It's a source that's infinitely abundant so that if you are thirsty, you just take another sip. It's really hard to get thirsty when you're holding a water bottle that never runs empty. You just keep taking another sip. He is the continual, infinite source for us. Not that we drink and we're okay, we've had enough and we leave, but that we stay at the well, that we keep drinking and saying, God, I need more. Let me not be thirsty. This is abundant life. This is the heart of a shepherd. Not just to keep the sheep from starving and dying, but that they would be an abundant life. So last, how is he doing it? How is he doing it? Well, we see that in verse 15. My Bible doesn't stay open. <laughs> verse 15 says, Just as my father knows me and I know the sheep, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. How, how does he lead us to abundant life? By laying down his life. We see him talk about the hired hands who, who tend to the flock. They're hired there to take watch over the shepherd. But when the sheep, when the wolves come, they abandon the sheep because they're not willing to lay down their life. They're willing to protect themselves and leave the sheep vulnerable to attack. <laughs> He's not willing to leave us to the point that he would lay down his life for us. In this parable alone, 
it says that he would lay his life down four times. Four times he mentions how he will lay down his life for his sheep. The crowd listening to this are like, sheep, why? Why would you lay down your life for them? But the heart of the shepherd means that he is for the sheep no matter the cost. So many things can look like a shepherd, but the only good shepherd stays to lay down his life. So who will you follow? Because I'm here to tell you that you will follow someone or something. You are following someone or something. We were created as sheep with this inert instinct to follow. What are you following? There's the good shepherd, and then there's the counterfeit. Jesus said, he who does not enter by the door is a thief and a robber. I used to think that when the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, I used to think that was exclusively reserved for Satan. It's not. It's reserved for anyone who enters not by the door. Jesus said, I am the door. So anyone that enters apart from Jesus is not anything but a thief and a robber. I can imagine Jesus telling the blind men, hey, don't worry about them. I am the shepherd. I will lead you to green pastures. I will lay down my life for you. I am the authentic. They are the counterfeit. They did not enter through the gate, but they jumped over, and they are only here to steal, kill, and destroy. I will be your shepherd. Who are you following? I've learned that sheep do not make very good shepherds. Are you letting another sheep take the place of your shepherd? Hired hands do not make good shepherd. Hired hands will look like a shepherd until it costs them something, and then they will leave you for themselves. The hired hand is only there for as long as it benefits themselves. If it's going to cost anything, they'll leave. Who are you being led by? Who will you follow? Sometimes... We're following friends, family, teachers, leaders, politicians, influencers, yourselves. If you're like me, yourselves is probably the most guilty of those. We follow ourselves because we think it's all up to us. That we're the ones that needs to be the answer. In this season of Jesus revealing himself as the shepherd to me, I've learned that we make it so complicated. I was, uh, this was two and a half years ago, I was in Atlanta. Um, we were on a leader's missions retreat, and it was spring break of my last semester at college. So I was only months away from graduating and going into the real world. College students, who their pulse just raised. Right months leading up to graduation, and I was like, God, I have no clue what's next. I have no idea. So many doors 
were being shut by God, and I was being faithful and obedient, but I was like, God, what is it then? If all of these doors are closing, what am I supposed to do? And I was in agony, and my heart was right because I wanted to follow God. I didn't want to take a path that wasn't his. I just didn't know where to go. And so we're in a time of worship and literally just agonizing in prayer. Lord, lead me, show me. What am I supposed to do? What do I need to do? What doors, what, what do I need to do? And in worship, he spoke to me. Actually, he, he first gave me a picture. He gave me a picture of this beautiful flock of sheep being led. And then he spoke to me. He said, if you see sheep that are being led well, you don't applaud the sheep. You know they have a good shepherd. The ability of the sheep to be led well rests on the shepherd, not the sheep. And in that moment, he relieved me of my need to have it all figured out. He relieved me of my need to be my own shepherd, to be my own path, and to be my own source. And he said, let me shepherd you. I cried out. I said, Lord, what a privilege it is to be a sheep if you're the shepherd. I never liked being identified as a sheep. I was probably like you. I was like, sheep, no thanks. I'll be, I'll be a fisher of men, but I won't be a sheep. In that moment, I was weeping from the revelation that I was a sheep, but I was his sheep. Fast forward a year and a half, and I'm in Guatemala. I'm on a missions field. I was a newly placed youth pastor of Agape Church. And uh, we ha were having this amazing time of ministry. The Holy Spirit was active and moving, and I was leading um, a Bible study, and then we had a time of worship, and it was palpable. It was tangible, the presence of God. It was like you could wave it around. And after having such an amazing moment of ministry time with God, I went back to my, my room, and I was on a spiritual high. I couldn't go to bed. It was already late. It was already like midnight. And I ended up spending the next hour in prayer by myself, which at that point in my life, I had never spent an hour in prayer. But I needed to not let go of this presence. And I'm praying and hearing things from God and writing it down. And finally, I said, Lord, how do I hold on to this? I knew I had a calling of ministry on my life. And this time I was, I was ministering and the Holy Spirit showed up and it was amazing. And I was like, how do, I, how do I keep this? How do I hold on to this? How do I stay in this place? Because I didn't want it to end. And, and with peace and clarity and firmness, he said, just follow me. We make it so complicated. If we want the presence of God, you just follow him. If we want his spirit, we just follow him. If we want his leading, we follow him. If we want his protection, we follow him. There's no, there's no secret formula. It's not up to the sheep. The sheep's only expectation is to be obedient enough to follow. I hope this relieves you as it did me the need to be perfect and have it all together. Vision and discernment and direction, those are good and those are from God, but it is nothing compared to the step-by-step -step leading of the Good Shepherd. 
because if we have a lot of clarity and revelation, we'll just get there without him. We're like, all right, I'm an excited kid. I'm going to go. And the shepherd, we leave him behind. Sometimes following, oh, this is a word. Sometimes following the shepherd means you don't move at all because he hasn't moved yet. Sometimes it means you wait for him to catch up to you and apologize and repent for being too excited that you left him behind to try to get there on his own. I was in a time of prayer a few weeks ago. And again, like the time when I cried out, I want to, Lord, what a privilege it is to be a sheep if you're the shepherd. It, it bursted out of me. I didn't even know what I was saying. And when I heard what I said, I began to cry. And I was like, oh, that was good. We were a time of prayer, and again, same thing. All of a sudden, I cried out, Lord, I don't want my best. I want your best. And again, same thing. I was like, Ooh, that was good. And I started weeping. Stop fighting for your best. Start fighting for his best. His best comes when he's the shepherd, when he's in charge, when he's the source, when he's in front of you, and you're faithfully saying, Lord, I will follow you. He turns and looks to this blind man and he says, you have sight, but use it to follow me. Don't sit on your mat, but follow me. I am the good shepherd. The sight thing, it's good, but it's nothing compared to what I have in store for you. He has so much more in store for us. I love Bob Goff's quote. He says the, the gospel is simple, but it's not easy. Sometimes we're just too busy. We're, we're too busy leading. Oh, this is another word. Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're so busy leading, we forget to follow. I've learned that the more I need to lead, the more I need to follow. I, I could be nothing for these guys if I'm not following him. It's how he leads Matthew 9:36 Jesus had a full day of ministry. He's tired. He wants to go to bed. I know the feeling. Amen. <sighs> Matthew 9:36 6 says he he so he gets there and there's a crowd waiting for him. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. God does not leave his people confused and helpless. And if he sees people, if he sees sheep without a shepherd, his heart is compassion. He had compassion on them. He was tired. He was over it. He wanted some sleep and probably some food. He just wanted to relax, but he saw the crowd was like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. God doesn't lead us in frustration or anger. He leads us with compassion. This is his heart. This is that pastoral heart we hear about to lead people, to have compassion on them, to not leave them lost. Because our shepherd will not leave us abandoned. How could he be a good shepherd if he left his sheep? I am the good shepherd. So why would a good shepherd leave his sheep? To leave his sheep would be to leave them vulnerable and lost. He is not here to leave you nor forsake you. He is here to be your good shepherd. So my question for you, will you follow? Who will you follow? 
How will you follow? Will you let him lead you? Will you lay down whatever is keeping you from following him? Maybe it's a dependency on yourself. Maybe it's a lack of intimacy with the shepherd. Maybe you're scared to see what will happen if you step out past your own abilities and see what God's going to do for you. But he has life abundant for you. He is the true shepherd. All else are counterfeit. Will you simply just follow him? Will you be willing to his still small voice inside of you? Will you let him lead you? Even if he leads through the valley of the shadow of death, will you say, all right, let's go. I'm not going to fear nothing because my shepherd is with me. My shepherd is for me. I want to see what the valley of the shadow of death looks like with my shepherd because what is he going to do in the midst of death? I want to find out. I don't want to be afraid that keeps me away from my shepherd. I'll say, okay, if that's what you're leading, let's go into it. Let's go into this world. It's messy. It's full of darkness. But let's see what happens when we follow you. Let's see what the shepherd will do. Let's see how he gathers because he's not done gathering yet. There are sheep that need to be gathered to the shepherd. There's darkness out there and we can't be afraid to go into it. We can't. The darkness gets darker without us and without him. But darkness gets flooded with light. As soon as we show up, because when we show up, he shows up. We can't be afraid of the darkness. The world is trying to convince us that our shepherd's not good. Just turn on the news for 40 seconds and you'll hear a report telling us, your shepherd's not good. If he was good, then why? Why this? Why is this happening? My heart grieved for what happened in New Zealand. And that little voice said, he's not a good shepherd. The world is trying to convince us that he's not a good shepherd. But that is not the doing of the shepherd. That is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the good shepherd. He will not leave his flock. We confusingly think that depression is the cause of suicide. Depression isn't the cause of suicide. Lots of people are depressed. It's when they think there's no other way out. And that the only way out is to take their own life. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the way, the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is our way out. There is a way out. The leading cause of suicide isn't depression. It's hopelessness. And we have hope when we have our good shepherd. Will you follow? Will you